What does a society lose when it abandons the God who basically built it through the Judeo-Christian ethic? Well, the answer is everything. And it's the last day to file your taxes for 2022. And as you pay them, ask yourself, what are you actually paying for? A nation in decline with leaders convinced more money is always the answer. And we have to talk about Mr. Beast's sidekick, Chris, who has now privatized his former tweets as he seeks social absolution through the transgender cult. This is your favorite night of the week, The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. Yeah, welcome in, everybody. It is episode 29 of season six on The Deep End, and I am your host, Tim Hatch, and welcome in, where we talk about social issues, politics, and the news of the day from a Christian worldview. And if you would hit that subscribe button, that like button, that notification bell, go ahead, hit it, because it does affect the reach of this program. So if you enjoy the program, help me reach more people through liking the show. So let's get right to the news because the news is crazier than ever. And I want to talk about your taxes and what they're paying for. Let's go. Yeah. Last day to file taxes. I hope that your checks are in the mail or maybe you're getting a refund, which would even be better. What does Romans chapter 13 say? It says pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And trust me, I wish that this verse was not in the Bible. Anybody with me? Let me know in the chat below or to the right if you're with me on that. And, you know, we have this increasing loud speaker mantra from a certain perspective of society that believes that the rich are just not paying their fair share. There needs to be more payment from the top, top upper crust of society. Hey, just a quick heads up about that. All you young Bernie Sanders socialists, um, the top 80, the top uh, 80% of the federal taxes will be paid by the top 10% of the wage earners in this country. And that's just federal taxes. Never mind state and local taxes and never mind, um, Capital gains and uh, what was it? The, the oh my gosh! Oh, sales tax. How about that? Excise taxes and all kinds of different taxes for every single thing that you will ever do in this world. More taxes, more taxes, more taxes. Because there is a whole side of the political spectrum that believes if we just raise more money through taxation, we can solve all the problems of society. But that ideology has been winning hearts and minds, particularly amongst the young, for a good decade now, maybe even longer. And what we're seeing is capitalism is being moved out and socialism is trying to move in. And we have to ask ourselves, are we getting what we should get? Is this making things better? And that is the topic that I want to address today. Capitalism is under attack. It has been under attack for quite some time. And, And socialism, this idea that if we just tax, raise more money, get more money out of those rich, filthy billionaires' hands, and we have free education from the cradle to the grave. We have free healthcare from cradle to the grave. We have single-payer healthcare, all these kind of promises that politicians love to make so that government can grow into this huge behemoth that takes care of you. Government becomes mom and dad. Government becomes your provider. Government ultimately becomes God. And the idea that you should be responsible for yourself and produce your own goods and services for others that would actually benefit them and then get paid for at a reasonable price. And then you should be held accountable to your customers because, you know, you need to provide good deeds and good works and services. Yet that that idea is so old fashioned. Coming to American cities without apologies is socialism. The idea that everyone is 
involved in owning everything. And you didn't build that business. No, 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 no. Your workers did. You didn't form that company. No, 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 no. The com- the com- the country did. So you need to give stakeholder capitalism away. You need to give away the power of your company and your business to those who are not actually involved with any skin in the game. And I bring this up because we have to look at America's cities. If you want to know where your town will be in 20 years, just look at the cities now. That's been the case so far. The reason why your small town elementary school has a gay pride flag up all of June and all the sexualities and genders listed on the wall when your kids walk down the hall toward gym class is because that ideology was saturating the city 20 years ago. Now it has permeated into the suburbs and to the rural areas of the country. So when we look at the cities right now, what do we see in America? We see that they are a complete mess and capitalism is literally moving out. Yeah, capitalism moves out, socialism moves in. Take the news from the Daily Mail. Walmart shuts down four stores in crime-ridden, dem-led Chicago. Um, Box stores from Target to Macy's have closed due to millions in losses from rampant theft. And this is not the only place it's happening. Whole Foods is closing their flagship market in San Francisco, where Whole Foods is from, due to rising crime in the Bay Area. And the news just keeps going on and on and on. Starbucks to close 16 stores in New York because of rampant crime and drug use. The National Review reporting Portland's REI, which is an outdoor shop, out in the Pacific Northwest, they're going to close their flagship store because of a record number of break-ins and theft. California stores closing early as unpunished theft explodes throughout the state. And Fox Business reporting that Philadelphia businesses closing left and right over an increase in shoplifting. It's all very dangerous. In 2021, companies lost a combined $94 billion dollars uh, to in, in terms of their, their net loss, a term that is used to describe theft and other types of inventory loss. So that is what's happening in our major cities. Capitalism and the constituents of capitalism, I guess you would call these the figureheads of capitalism to many young minds, Starbucks and Walmart and Target and stores that we all use, stores that we all need because there are very few farmers and small town mom and pop shops. COVID lockdowns made sure that the mom and pop shops had to close. So now you're left with these behemoths of capitalism who are also leaving the cities and this is what they want. They are asking for this in the cities. Capitalism is literally moving out and socialism is moving in. Now, Let me talk about capitalism for a second, because the term capitalism is actually derogatory. Capitalism is the idea that the market is based on capital. What you have, you can market and sell, and then you can exchange for fair prices and other goods. And really what it is, it's free market. The word free is in free market. That's why you never hear the term free market, because the word free is in it. And so they like to make socialism attractive and and capitalism bad. So let's call free market the capitalism. Those capitalistic pigs, all they care about is profit. All they care about is money. And they don't care about anybody. And and you know what? They, They sometimes have some some arguments to be made there sometimes these corporations get so big they don't care about their employees and they should be held accountable in those cases but by and large these are companies that we need Uh, these are companies that we're going to have to look to to provide our bread and our cereals and our meats and our 
plants and uh, plant-based foods <laughs> that are coming out of these factories. And, and it's just going to continue to show that the more that you um, uh, pr put forth progressive secular policies, anti-God policies, I would call them, uh, the more crime goes up, the more drug use goes up, the more unrest goes up in a city, and the more the city cannot sustain a market, a free market, and socialism will move in. So, Again, what's going to happen in small town America in 20 years? Look at the major cities in America today. I bring you to Chicago. This past weekend in Chicago, mayhem broke out from one side of the city downtown to another. This is an example. Here is a riot of people running for their lives in the midst of a riot. An absolute destructive mayhem breaks out. Uh, another video here of some young people dancing on a car that's on fire. Just looting, rioting, destruction. In, I guess it was a, some kind of a celebration that was happening in the city and then just, you know, turned riotous. Looks like we're headed toward another summer of love. Is it going to be summer of love 2023? Remember these large companies that are moving out of these cities? They were all in on the Black Lives Matter movement. They were all in on the defund police side of the political aisle, and now they are losing business as a result. Thanks to George Floyd's tragic death, and it was tragic, and uh, being ground zero for a, this death was a groundswell, ground zero for a groundswell of defund the police movements and politicians winning elections. Now companies are literally leaving the cities and the cities are and the constituents of the cities are complaining. How are we going to eat? How are we going to shop? How are we going to make a living? What is going to happen? Well, you're kind of getting what you've been asking for for quite some time in the cities. And I don't know if they're going to learn. I just don't know. Uh, the most recently elected mayor of Chicago is named Brandon Johnson. He is the most far left secular progressive candidate that they could possibly elect outside of their current mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who is now out after one term. And he was asked in a um, debate, an election debate, about his stance on when he said that defund the police was indeed his political agenda. Watch. It was a political goal to defund the police. Here is what you said. The president of the United States, the former president of the United States, I'm sorry, President Barack Obama, uh, took it one step further as well and, and basically said that the, the, the effort of the defund police movement lost an audience because of, of that, um, that slogan, I guess is what, what he's calling it, which, which I don't look at it as a slogan. It's, it's, actually, it's an actual real political goal. It's an actual real political goal, according to Brandon Johnson, who, by the way, just won his election in Chicago and is now going to be the mayor of this city that is rampant with crime and disorder and riotous living. This defund the police was a political goal, a political agenda, and it has created what? less order, less civility. You have more cities and riots and mayhem than ever before. Uh, companies are leaving because of it. And then what does he say? In response, this is even worse, to these violent attacks in the city, these riots in the city, when he's asked three times to condemn the riots, here's how he responds. Loot because they, that's how they can eat? The real answer is, how do we make sure, the question is, how do we make sure that people can eat? Look, no one is going to condone, um, you know, behavior that, that quite frankly, 
speaks to a level of desperation. So you're not people you're not condoning not, looting. I'm saying that people are acting out of desperation. We don't want a society that is acting out of desperation. But you have to pay attention to the cries that people have. By so you're, you're not that, condoning looting. Th there's no way to 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 embrace that. What I'm saying what? is. You can't condone the looting that corporations continue to do every single day when they take tax dollars from black, brown, white folks all over the city of Chicago so that they can turn a profit. Okay, so he's willing to condemn the looting of the corporations <laughs> that are selling goods and services to black and brown people in those neighborhoods for Fair market prices, I guess. Well, maybe not as fair as they used to be, uh, a.k.a. two years ago before Joe Biden became president. Much higher than a fair market value, if you ask me today. But that's the price that we pay when we ask for less police in our communities. We get disorder. Then we get companies leaving. And then we get the mayors and the leaders blaming the companies who are leaving for the riots that the companies are leaving over. This is like your wife comes home and tells you I'm cheating on you and I'm leaving you because you're an adulterer. <laughs> uh, this is where we are as a society. It's a fool-hearted society. And it really comes down to this idea of society is to blame for all our problems, so we have to re-engineer society to fix the problems. More on that in a moment because there's a very biblical idea we have to get to on that. Society is to blame for our violence. Society is to blame for our problems. Well, there's a hole in that whole statement that I will get to. But if you want proof that uh, socialism doesn't work or communism or less free market doesn't work as Mayor Johnson believes it does. Uh, all you have to do is look a little south of this country. You have to look at Venezuela, proof that socialism does not work. The economy in, so in Venezuela was thriving under the free market. Uh, Venezuela went from being a leading economy, the best economy in uh, South America, to totally impoverished in two decades. It was a rich country in the 1960s. It produced more than 10% of the world's oil. It had a per capita GDP many times bigger than that of its neighbors, Brazil and Colombia, and not that far behind the United States. States of America. That's in the 1960s, 1970s. But through a social revolution of the population, understand that term, a social revolution of the population, uh, socialist Hugo Chavez took power. And this guy was a darling to America's celebrities like Michael Moore and Sean Penn and others. And then he was followed by now President Nicolas Maduro. The government seized private businesses like the man there in the green shirt. His business was literally seized from him by the government. And then they instituted a government mandated top down or operated economy. And as a result, what happened? Same thing that is happening right now in our country. Inflation soared, prices went up and the currency went down. And today, 87 percent of people living in Venezuela are impoverished, while 61% of the country's population live in extreme poverty. By the way, what could benefit the economy of Venezuela right now? Oil sales to nations like ours that desperately needs oil. But that's not a possibility because of climate alarmism. And so America bemoans the sale of oil to itself. Our gas prices go up. Meanwhile, Venezuela's economy is struggling to survive and they could make money as a country if they sold us oil. But nope, we're not gonna do that because that would uh, offend Greta Thunberg. And that's where we are in our world right now with regards to the free market. Want more proof that socialism or communism doesn't work? Consider the following countries. China is a communist country. The USSR was a communist empire and it fell apart in 1989. North Korea is a total communism blackout country. Vietnam, Cambodia, Cuba. 
What do all these countries have in common? They are not vacation destinations. The reason why they are not vacation destinations is because of communism and socialism. It does not work. It destroys a society. You have martial law. You have the military aimed at its constituents, not at its nation's enemies. Go to any South American country. They trust the military more than local police. Sound familiar? That's where we are right now. Our last presidential inauguration was surrounded by the military and barbed wire. <laughs> the images that you see on your television set have been seen before by immigrants to this nation from South American countries and Central American countries. And we would do well to listen to them because they've seen it fail before and they're going to see it fail here in this country. As Ludwig von Mises, an Australian economist, wrote, the champions of socialism promised the Garden of Eden, but planned to transform the world into a gigantic post office. Every man a subordinate clerk. He's right. Like, just imagine going to Whole Foods and it operating like your po local post office or even better, like your local DMV. I, I always say anybody who's in favor of socialism or communism should be forced to spend a week in the DMV just sitting there <laughs> or working there for that matter. Who cares? It's pretty much that's what government mandate business looks like. That's what a uh, uh, your Whole Foods or your local grocer or your local car salesman will be like. You will take a number and you will sit there for an eternity as no one really cares to do anything for you because there's no profit motive in their life to offer you good service and good uh, products. That's where we are. Is the Bible pro-socialist? This is, this is the question right here. Because a lot of people go to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 when it talks about the early church, that they had nothing, everything in common. Nobody considered their goods their own. They shared freely and they gave to each one. They sold their goods and they gave the money to the apostles and all that kind of stuff. And it's a beautiful picture, by the way, of the community of faith that God wants to establish, a community where people share with each other with those who are in need. But all you have to do is read just a little further into the book of Acts to find out that Suddenly a famine came upon the church and the city of Jerusalem. It's prophesied by a prophet named Agabus. The famine is so bad that that socialist utopia that was the Christian community in Jerusalem in Acts 2 and 4 became impoverished and famine stricken. So much so that Paul had to spend the lion's share of his time throughout the book of Acts and in the letters that he writes for the rest of the New Testament, trying to raise money from the other churches that were thriving in economies to give money to the church that was starving in Jerusalem. So I get it. We see kindness, compassion, and generosity uh, expressed in the early church through the work of the Holy Spirit, by the way, not top-down mandated government intervention. That's a key note also. We see it happen, but it's not a long-range plan for economic systems in countries. And capitalism is not perfect. Free markets are not perfect. You're going to get abusive businesses. You're going to get bad uh, labor practices. You're going to get the top 1% getting extraordinarily rich. And maybe our tax bracket for that top 1% is too low. I don't know. There is an argument that could be made. But the point is this that God has commanded that we work and we gather the increase of our own labor and we get this enjoy it. You should be enjoying what your hands produce. You should be enjoying selling what your hands produce. That's why Etsy uh, is a huge 
uh, hugely popular website because people can make their own things and sell them and earn a profit and they get the profit from making their own things or Amazon sellers. I used to be one actually, or eBay sellers. These people who um, take it upon themselves to take risk and make product and see if they can offer it to the world and make a living doing it. And they are more often than not the happiest people in the world. The least happy, the people who are stuck in the system, the welfare moms and dads, the people who need the government to give them handouts. And then they have to not work in order to maintain the handout. And then they have to be divorced with children to get more handouts. And then, and then they have to be on drugs to get more handouts. And as long as they're locked into all these societal ills, the government comes and rescues them. And they are the most depressed, most miserable people on the face of the earth. And they want you to be join, joining them soon enough as well, because misery loves company. What does God say in Genesis 2.15? The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to what? Work it and keep it. Uh, Exodus 23, talking about the feast, the feast of the harvest, the feast of the first fruits. Think about Israel had feasts around their planting and harvest seasons. Why? because they were supposed to equate work with joy. You were supposed to have a feast when you worked because work is a gift from God. It is not a curse, okay? It is not a nine to five, you know, um, ball and chain. It is, it, is, it is actually a gift from God. And then he says this in Exodus twenty three sixteen: you shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the field of your fruit of your labor. Your labor produces fruit and you should enjoy it, God says. Psalm 128 verse 2, you shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. There is a wholeness. There is a richness that comes from working. Uh, or as Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Like that is as firm as it gets. If you don't work, you don't eat. Uh, this meme was going around and I had to post it here today. <laughs> I ran across this. The guy's reading a book, How to Make Money. He opens the book. It's got one word on the page, work. And then he starts crying. Yeah. Um, has anybody seen what I've seen lately? Like customer service is abysmal. You go to any place, go to a McDonald's, go to a, a, a store, a restaurant. And for, for many, in many cases, not every case, but in many cases, People don't want to work. They don't show up for work. They call in sick. They go to the beach. They do stuff that's like, you know, useless and pointless. They scroll on social media all the time. They are obsessed with um, Netflix and binge watching their shows. And work has become kind of like this off-putting <laughs> ideology, this off-putting thing or theme of our culture. And, and as a result, we have less joy. We don't have people earning their own living. And then we have people just demanding and expecting the government and other people to pay for things, AKA the college debt bailout program. And I don't have time to get into that, but really what it comes down to, what do the socialists say? What are they talking about? I want to circle back to this th idea that society is to blame. Therefore, let's re-engineer society. Let's take America from a capitalist or free market society where there's too many labor abuses and there's too many rich people and there's too much of this and too much of that. And by the way, there's too many, uh, uh, you know, uh, walls between uh, minorities and success. And so we have to deconstruct the system, reconstruct it into the societal utopia, AKA socialism, and then all things will be fixed. Now, let's take a look at that statement. Society is to blame, but here's the problem. And it's really a question. What makes up a society? And the answer is people. People make up a society. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, if a people, if people or individuals are what makes up a society, therefore people are to blame. Uh, and then, of course, this is the this is the little nuance that you got to add to it. Not me, of course. Other people. Other people are to blame 
for the problems of society. So Walmart is to blame and Amazon is to blame and the police are to blame. And those are the problems. So we must eliminate or eradicate them. Um, a conservative like me would say horrible presidents, horrible mayors and high taxation are to blame. But that's my point of view. And I'm not saying that I'm 100 percent right either. Hey, I believe on the economic front, America has two wings of the economic policy and these two wings to fly. It is the uh, eagle is our national emblem. And and sometimes we need left wing policies that say, look, don't abuse your customers or your employees. And there has to be regulation and rules about that. And then on the right side, you got to say, wait a second, there has to be less taxation. There's got to be motivation based on profit for people to produce goods and services and enjoy the fruits of their labor as the Bible stipulates. We have to have both and, but so much right now that is happening in our cities. And I, again, I want to emphasize in the cities is a far left progressivism and socialism that is undermining the very stat nature of our economy. And these cities are paying the price. Because here's the problem. When we like to like demonize one group of people, the truth of the Bible is we're all to blame. Everyone's the problem. Psalm 30, 53, verse one, the fool says there is no God. They're corrupt, abominable doing iniquity. There is none, the Bible says, none who does good. Or Psalm 36, one, transgression speaks to the wicked. Deep in his heart, there's no fear of God before us. In other words, there's something deep down inside of us that's wicked in our heart. And then what does Genesis 8, 21 say? The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. So, so this is the reality of the human condition that the Bible speaks to. We are by nature evil, every single one of us. George Floyd was evil by nature. Uh, so was the police officer who kneeled on his neck. So are those kids in Chicago last weekend. And so are the right-wing politicians in Washington, D.C. Everyone's part of the problem. And here's the ultimate issue with our country. We have jettisoned the one, the one worldview that declares that. We have told that worldview, stick it, go private. You do not belong in the public square. And consequently, now we have a victim mindset. Everybody except me is to blame for my problems. I'm not bad. They're bad. That group is bad. That colored group is bad. That colored group is bad. That nationality is bad. That ethnicity is bad. You know, whatever it is, whether it be white, black, brown, red, yellow, all those kind of things. And that socioeconomic people group is bad. And this poor person's bad. And all we do is we just try to absolve ourselves through pointing the finger at others. When the biblical worldview was there to tell us from the start, everyone's, everyone's wicked. Everyone has a heart problem that causes them to use and abuse others and demean each other. One other thing that the Bible teaches us about the authorities, which cannot be understated uh, or overstated at this time in our society's history, is Romans 13. Remember, we opened that with paying taxes. Romans 13, 1 to 4, what does it say? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted, instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist evil, I mean, so those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to, do, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive approval, for he is God's servant. That's the government. The government is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the evildoer or wrongdoer. Um, I said government. That's also the police, by and large, the, the military. Those who rule over us with the sword are there, instituted by God to keep us 
hemmed in from our own problem because we are all the problem and we need rulers to come in and strike fear in our hearts. But what the devil has successfully done is he has dethroned authority in every area of society. We've talked about this regular, regularly on the deep end. He's dethroned the family as an authority. He's dethroned the police and the rule and the, 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 the swordsman as a authority. He has dethroned government as authority. He has dethroned our biology, our genetics as an authority. And now everything is about feelings. I am a victim of society's problems and society needs to be changed to appease me. That's how you get to utter chaos because it, it becomes like the book of Judges where it says everyone did whatever he did, whatever he saw fit in his heart. And our cities are starting to look like Venezuela just 20 years ago. On the left is Venezuela 20, 2001 and on the right is Chicago today. And that, my friends, is where America is headed if we don't get our act together. Happy tax day, everyone. What are you paying for? <laughs> Meanwhile, as violence erupts in our cities, violence is also erupting against churches. News out of the Christian Post, the following headlines. These are shocking headlines, and I just put them up there just so you know. 63 churches attacked in the first three months of 2023. Uh, church attacks are on the rise, and the Biden Department of Justice seeks no jail time for trans vandal who attacked church worker. And then the FBI is planting informants in houses of worship targeting Catholic services. This is what our government is turning their guns on. Not the felons and the rioters and those who defame and deface property. <laughs> no, the church, Christians, people of faith. We are a country that is on the fast track to abomination, a fast track to desolation. The, the former cities of old did not survive this movement. Neither will we. The Roman Empire did not survive. Okay. The Byzantine Empire did not survive. The Turkish Empire did not survive. They are all on the dustbin of history because they abandoned Christian faith and philosophies. Look at Europe. Europe is now actually, there's kind of like a boomerang happening in Europe where they're kind of coming back to their senses on some of these things because they can, they're realizing how quickly it can fall apart. Maybe America will wake up. I don't know. But what I do know is that Christianity is being forced out. And here's the reality. Here's the reality. The evidence of our godless society's obsession produces something else. Um, take Christianity out and another faith system floods in. Take Christianity out and you don't get secularism. No, mm -mm. no, because deep down inside our hearts, we know we need something beyond ourselves. I talked about that last week on the transcendent issue. The city of Minneapolis, I cannot believe I am sharing this news with you. <laughs> the city of Minneapolis, ironically, where George Floyd died, is the first American city to allow a loudspeaker broadcast over the city five times a day to call for Muslim prayers. Yes. Now, today, this has also been voted in, by the way. The vote came in during this Muslim month of Ramadan. And Jelani Hussein, executive director of the Minnesota chapter of the Council of American Islamic Relations, said that Minnesota shows the world that a nation founded on freedom of religion makes good on its promise. So now in Minnesota, if you are a citizen of Minnesota, you are going to hear a loud siren and a horn five times a day with an Arabic man speaking in Arabic saying, it's time to pray to Allah, it's time to get on our knees and bow and face Mecca and ba -da 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 -da, five times a day on the loudspeakers down the streets of Minnesota in America. <laughs> I cannot believe it. I laugh because otherwise I would weep. I probably should weep. We should all weep. Now, here's the thing. I've been to cities like this 
If you go to Israel, you will see several Muslim-dominated cities where they blast the call to prayer five times a day. One of those cities, ironically, is Nazareth. Sound familiar? Jesus' own place of residence where he was raised by Mary and Joseph. Now, this is a picture. I'm going to play a video for a moment. But you remember from Luke chapter 4, or maybe you don't remember, but I'll tell you. Jesus goes to Nazareth. They hand him the scroll of Isaiah. He gets up and he reads Isaiah and he says, this prophecy is now fulfilled in your midst. In other words, I am the Messiah. They start bickering about, hey, is this, is this Mary's son and Joseph the carpenter's son? And they start, and they start rejecting him. And he says, um, physician, heal yourself. A prophet is without honor, uh, nowhere except in his hometown. And uh, they take him to the edge of a cliff and they're going to throw him off the cliff. And he leaves. And he can't do any miracles because of their, <clears throat> because of their disbelief. <clears throat> That's... What Nazareth did to Jesus Christ. In other words, they did exactly what our country has done from the top down. They have asked God and Jesus and the Judeo-Christian ethic to leave their region. And now Nazareth sits like this, and I want you to listen to this video. That is what you hear all day in Nazareth. I literally, I kid you not, I, I, I walked through the city and it was just loudspeaker of Arabic preaching or sirens after loudspeaker of Arabic. Five times a day, think about this. And this is gonna happen in an American city now. An American city where they did what? They asked for the police to take a hike and now the businesses are taking a hike and free market capitalism is taking a hike and the Muslims are moving in and secularism is moving in and anti-Christian sentiment is moving in. And if you think Christian nationalism was a problem, atheists, <laughs> just wait until you see Muslim nationalism. By the way, one of the ironic things if you go to Israel is there's two Nazareth. There's old Nazareth and then there's new Nazareth where all the Jews kind of migrated to after the Muslims came in and dominated old Nazareth. You walk through old Nazareth and it looks like that. Dark, decrepit, cloudy, gray, yuck, gross. No civic pride. You go to new Nazareth where the Jews live, and it's beautiful, it's ornate, it's gorgeous. The neighborhoods are safe, they're quiet, and they're, they're just <laughs> wonderful places to live. Th this is amazing to see that dichotomy just 30 minutes from away from each other. Be because when you have the underpinnings of Judeo-Christian philosophy in your society, it blossoms, it flourishes, it becomes a safe, hospitable place to live. When you don't, it becomes a dark, dangerous, angry feeling city center. By the way, what do politicians say about these two cities, Old Nazareth, New Nazareth? They say, well, that's because the Muslims have no power in any of Israel's state. But that's not true. There are Muslims that now sit, and Arabs now, now sit right now in the Knesset, the Israeli parliament. They have power. They have a voice. Uh, it's unbelievable, though, how the ideologies are transcontinental. If you jettison Judeo-Christian values, you destroy your culture. Full stop. Jettison or marginalize the church, marginalize Christianity, and your culture is on the fast track to deconstruction or devastation. And that's the news. And one other way that we are jettisoning Judeo-Christian values is in the trans cult. And I have to go there again. Do you know that I really don't want to talk about this all the time, but I have to because it is in our face 24 hours a day and it's coming to your kids 24 hours a day. And we have to talk about Mr. Beast on this edition of the Alphabet Attacks. I pledge allegiance to the queers. 
So the largest YouTube channel in the world is run by a man named Mr. Beast. He is also named Jimmy Donaldson in real life. Real life. Well, I guess his name is Jimmy Donaldson, and he's also named Mr. Beast. He has 146 million subscribers. Oh, by the way, let me take this moment to say, why don't you subscribe here so that I can match him? Hey, okay, anyway. He has 146 million subscribers. He makes incredibly watchable and clickable videos. He is very gifted. He also gives away a ton of money. I have nothing against the guy. He paid for hundreds of people to be healed or cured or medically cured of blindness. Um, he reenacted the show Squid Game with... Um, paintball guns and other fake special effects it was it's an amazing channel and he's quite a gifted kid but now the trans cult has invaded his little empire one of his best friends from elementary school who was part of his team is named chris and chris recently became transgender giving up his wife and marriage and little boy uh to become a man who pretends to be a woman so chris is doing what he is born to do finding his true self and is and embracing his inner woman but the question is is this real? And I have a real sincere doubt that it is. Here's my postulation. Is this true projection or self-protection? In other words, is Chris being true to himself or is he trying to cover up for something that is in his past? I alluded to this on 10 questions last Thursday and I kind of want to dive into it today on the deep end. That's what the deep end is for. Uh, this deleted Mr. Beast video is Chris uh, actually mocking transgenderism by identifying as an attack helicopter. Watch. All right, time to see if they've updated the gender list. They have 63 genders up there, but they can't have my gender. Yeah, so there he is. He's acting like a helicopter. Here comes Mr. Bro, Beast. What are you doing? Bro? Did, did you just assume my gender? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to misgender you. I'm... You're such a helophobe. Get out! Yeah, and so then it goes on and he kind of like puts these fake wings on with cardboard. Anyway, it gets ridiculous. Um, but that that's where we are with that kid. He is... Um, now being found with all of these uh, tweets and previous uh, kind of offensive to the transgender people uh, content all over the channel, all over his Twitter feed, which, by the way, he locked down his old Twitter account, which was just at Chris because it was full of sexist and racist and misogynistic tweets uh, such as this one. These effing entitled feminists. S-H-I-T's are getting on my nerves. Seriously, just stop being the C word. It's not hard. Uh, another tweet says, this is BS. I grew up working with in the fields at 12 when my sisters got to stay in the AC all day. F these privileged feminists. Um, then also beyond just the misogynist tweets, he also had a couple of tweets talking about uh, masturbation to lowly, which is a form of pornography we will get to in just a moment. And then another tweet that quotes a song about Dora the Explorer and sexualizing Dora the Explorer. So this is kind of putrid. Not kind of. It is very putrid. Evidently, he is involved in or excited about this lowly porn. Lowly porn is a demonic form of pornography. And I know all pornography is demonic, but this is particularly evil. And there is a bunch of evidence coming out that a lot of the trans kids were heavily involved in lowly porn. Let me give you the 
definition of this pornography, just so you know what I'm talking about, is a Japanese manga or anime that is sexually explicit and involves cartoon characters that are underage. It is a form of hentai, which is a genre of Japanese manga that forces on focuses on sexualized characters and plots. Lowly depicted underage girls known as Lolicon. The word comes from Vladimir Nobokov's book Lolita, which is an adult in which an adult man is sexually attracted to a girl who's 12 years old. When Loli depicts underaged boys, it's known as Shotokan. In Japan, Loli is widespread. However, its legality has been controversial and attempts to regulate it have increased since the 1990s. And this is the kind of pornography that a lot of studies are showing the trans kids are involved in. And perhaps for the grand finale of Hateful Chris Tweets, although this tweet came out long after he announced he was transitioning, he said on March 27th at 3 a.m. of this year, quote, I did also hate seeing hate for me turn into just general transphobia, so I'm trying to make it known. Make fun of me all you want, but mess with the trans homies and, well, and the squirt gun emoji, which would be a gun emoji, except that Apple took that away because we're all children. They have to police everything we do a few years ago. He posted that on March 27th, 2023, six hours before the mass school shooting occurred at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee, six hours before. Now, was he involved in the shooting? Of course not. But it's just kind of ironic that these tweets were posted right before that attack on Christians took place. And in further news, he has been come to find out just a few days ago, it was exposed that he owned artwork from a disgraced artist known for animated child porn. This is name again is Chris Tyson. So he's going the transgender route. And the question that I have is is this true self-projection or just self-protection? Meaning, is he really a trans woman? Like, is this guy really a girl inside? I don't believe that at all because of my general belief system and philosophy and, and trust in the Christian faith and biblical scriptures. But what is that? What, what might be underlying this trend in his life to go from male to female? Self-protection, maybe. When you get so viciously, and by the way, those tweets were sur surfaced. A lot of people came out and started attacking him viciously on social media, and now they're attacking him for being trans as well. I don't agree with that. I, I'm not here to attack Chris at all. I'm just here to kind of explore a conversation around the transgenderism ideology. Um, when those former misogynist and racist tweets came out, and he was found to say have said the N-word also on a video with Mr. Beast, he was viciously attacked on social media and then he becomes trans this formerly very happy man with a wife and a child suddenly becomes trans a man who formerly also mocked trans transgenderism is now suddenly trans i think that the brain has this protection default status that when we get so viciously and hatefully attacked we will do almost anything to protect ourselves even something that may have been unconscionable in uh, previous times for our own lives. So, which brings me to this, two suggestions around this. Uh, pornography is a serious contributor to transgenderism. There, there can be no doubt about that. About that. The, you can't tell me that pornography, which by and large, pornography shows men dominating women physically, emotionally, and, and sexually. You can't tell me that that has not had a profound effect 
on how young females see sex and see intimacy between a man and basically tells that woman that if you're going to have sex with a man, you're going to be dominated physically, emotionally, and sexually and makes that girl say, well, that's the last thing that I want to experience. So pornography, and, and then you think about lowly porn for men and women also having a, con, a, con, a contributing effect. But secondly, becoming trans serves as a simple solution to a social absolution for your soul. Like, is this a way of saying, <clears throat> you can't attack me now, I'm trans. I'm, I'm officially no longer a white dude, white cisgender heterosexual dude. Now I am a transgender guy or woman, which makes me part of a minority group and don't, don't hate on me because that would be transgenderism. Um, somebody posted this on Twitter, which is actually very apropos. The best thing Air National Guardsman Jack Teixeira can do now is put on a dress and change his name to Nancy. It worked for Bradley Manning. And if you remember the case of Bradley Manning, this guy leaked 750,000 uh, private or classified document files to our enemies and then identified as a woman and was pardoned by President Obama. Like within a year, I think. I mean, this guy was going to go to jail for 47 years. He's pardoned by the president because he transgender, because he identified transgender. Sympathy was definitely at play there. Oh, we don't want to be criminally. We don't want to offend the transgender person. So let's just, you know, absolve them of their, of their, of their illegal activities. That's maybe where Chris is. By the way, Chris has a new Twitter handle where he talks about learning through life together with his three-year-old son. He also has pictures of his three-year-old son now in high heels. And I just want to say something here about this particular tweet. You are mentally ill. And I say this with not attack in my voice, but concern for you. You're mentally ill if your three-year-old is in the journey with you to learn through life. You're a father. You're a grown-up. That's a three-year-old kid. Don't leverage your kid for your mental delusion. But here's the thing about it. You become whatever you worship. And in the case of Chris, he worshiped child porn and now identifies with his three-year-old son as his kid's sister. It's very, very sad. And it's just kind of part of the cultural uh, distortions that we are that we are seeing propagated through the educational system and the media and the entertainment and the government systems of our country to prop up this ideology that is anathema to biology science truth objectivity and most importantly christian faith and doctrine uh, for some of you who might be watching and i doubt that you're out there but maybe you are to the transgenders I want to say something to you. I want you to hear my heart for you. There is hope. There is hope, transgender people. I don't hate you. No, 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 no. I, I hate the ideology. I hate what the society is now doing to you because you are the victim of a society that has no skin in the game when it comes to your future, when it comes to your reproductivity later in life, when it comes to the regret that you may feel or probably will feel later in life. And uh, Bill Maher talks about this a lot of times. The, the lack of transgender regret is a lot of times just based on the fact that they put so much money and effort and time into it. They just can't come clean and say, yeah, I regret it because it would cost them too much uh, socially and mentally. So to the transgenders out there, here's an alternative. Let me explain to you from a, from a Christian worldview. The search for the true self is a symptom of sin in every person. Look at me right here. I am not who I should be. Mm-mm. Every day I have thoughts, feelings, and even actions that I absolutely hate. I agree with the Apostle Paul. Who will save me 
from this body of death. I do the things I hate, the things I love, that the things that I do not want to do, that which I that's what I keep on doing. It's sin living within me. And consequently, all of us, including you and me, well, before we're Christians, are separated from God because of that sin. Sin separates us from him, and we are made to do life with him. You are too, transgender person. Uh, the wholeness that you seek can only come from the one who made you and died for you. It cannot come from the entertainment elites who celebrate you. It cannot come from the educator who uh, propositions you to follow your heart in this ideology. It cannot come from a government that subsidizes your transgender surgeries or health care to become transgender through pills and puberty blockers. It can only come from the manufacturer of your life. And the manufacturer of your life is not pres the president or the senators or the congressman or the, or the public school teacher or the media personality. The manufacturer of your life is Jesus Christ. He's the God who made you, loved you, and died for you. Let's talk a little bit more, though, about that separation from God deal, because Isaiah 59 verse two says your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. That's the state of the human heart before Christ. Our iniquities. Look at that word iniquity. The word iniquity means perversity, depravity, guilt or punishment as a result of a condition. In other words, all humans are born guilty. That means that all humans are born feeling like they should be better. They should be something that they are presently not. Okay, that's not a gender issue. That's a spiritual issue. Look at the word iniquity, by the way, in equity. Something is not equating inside of me. And ultimately, you can't fix that. That's the bad news. I can't fix that. But the good news is Christ can fix that. The manufacturer who made you and formed you, guess what? He came to get you. He left heaven and his glories in heaven. And he humbled himself and became a man and walked with us. And then he was put to death because of us through our wicked hands. His blood was shed and he beat death with death and rose again on the third day and ascended to the right side of God the Father and now provides atonement for our sin. Absolution for our sins and what we have done wrong does not come from reimagining ourselves but through being recreated by our manufacturer. As 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Transgenders, we don't hate you. We need Jesus just like you. Every non-transgender person needs to repent of their sins and their iniquity. Every transgender person needs to repent of their sins and their iniquity and turn to their savior and say, God, I'm not in charge. You're in charge. And that spiritual angst that you feel inside where you're not who you should be, that can be healed through the power of the Holy Spirit because there is nothing God can't do. There is hope, transgenders. He can remake you. That identity that you desperately need comes from the father who desperately loves you. 1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. That's our identity. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. That's the identity that we're looking for. Children of God, made in his image and born again into his likeness through Jesus Christ. No pill can give that to you. No surgery can give that to you. You can have a hundred surgeries to try to become the opposite sex 
and you're still a thousand steps away from actually becoming them. Every cell in your body is testifying to you who you really are and what you really are. And it is out of source here and here because of iniquity, because of sin. Sin is not something that you do. It's something that you have. And only God, through Christ Jesus, can take it out so that you become brand new. By the way, all Chris from Mr. Beast has to do is look at another member of Mr. Beast's team. I'm talking about Chandler Hallow. There he goes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There he is posting to his Instagram. He's born again. He gave his life to Jesus and he's baptized in water. So, you know, the good news here is that the world is getting darker and the gospel message is shining brighter. But there's a lot of battlefield that is before us Christians. And I have to teach you about it. I have to tell you this because I care about you and your families and I want your families to be strong in the Lord. News out of Washington state, SB 5599 was passed by the legislature there that allows children to be taken from the homes where the parents do not consent to their transgender ideology. This is something that has happened in Canada for about, I think, two or three years. Now it's coming to America. It provides state funding for transsexual drugs and procedures. Christian parents, you had better lead your children to church, to gospel preaching churches, to churches that open the Bible and read the truth of the word of God and declare it boldly because they're coming for your kids. Part of this law that just was passed in Washington allows for high schools to create health clinics and a high school just south of Seattle, Washington called Burien Highline High School. This video shows that they have a new Health Point Health Center and watch the dystopian 1984 George Orwellian uh, mantra here. This is unbelievable. We're excited to celebrate the opening of our new school-based health clinic here at the still brand new Highline High School in Burien. School-based health clinics provide physical health care, they provide dental health care, they provide mental health care for young people. Mental health care, there you go. So dental, yes. Uh, medical, great. Mental. Hmm. What are they saying? The whole idea is to reach young people early, to help them grow up healthy, identify any challenges they might be having, and help them overcome them before they become a crises in their lives. Having the health center here on campus really means that we're going to be able to serve a variety of student needs. One of our students, Maria, missed an entire year of sports. She didn't know how to navigate the health system. She was working after school. She had to go and make an appointment, missed a whole day of school. Now, with HealthPoint being here, Again, it's as easy as come with me, let's get you registered, you make your appointment, off you go to class. So that's the plan there, is to get the healthcare systems into your kid's high school and notice at the bottom of the list of the services that they provide, reproductive health. Gee, I wonder what services they're going to provide for reproductive health for high school students in the high schools. Literally government sanctioned and government funded schools are becoming a place for your kid to learn about biology not being real because their feelings are more real than biology and they can abort that baby that they got impregnated with last week at prom. Courtesy of your federally funded dollars, your state funded dollars in your local funding dollars at your kid's high school. That's where we are. That's the fight that we have on our hands. Wasn't always like this, guys. 
And I want to end on a cute note. If you guys don't mind, I'm sure you don't, because this show, sometimes we get dark, but we have to talk about what's going on in the world today. I ran across this video from a Steve Harvey show. I think it's Kids Say the Darnest Things when Steve Harvey was hosting it. I think he was hosting it in like the early 2000s. Correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, but this was played on that show. And literally today would be considered bigot bigotry through a five-year-old girl. <laughs> Watch. Okay, what is this right here? The pelvis. It's the only bone in the body that's gender specific, which means it's different in boys and girls. Is it? Yes. The pelvis is job to protect the organs used for digesting and reproduction, which means throwing babies. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Like t today, that show, that clip is who raised that hateful bigot? And 10 years ago, it was the cutest thing on earth. I still think it's the cutest thing on earth because you know what? She's right. Anyway, that's the show tonight, guys. So glad that you were here joining me. Uh, check out the merch at the store, timmatchlife.com. They got all kinds of new merch, some shoes, some new shirts that are coming out there. Be bold and um, something else there. I forget what that shirt says. It's too small for me to read. Oh, it's the uh, I Will Fear No Evil shirt. So check that out. Support the channel at the cash app, Tim Hatch Live or timhatchlive.com slash support. Help us out. Help us get the word out. And tomorrow night, we do have the Deep Dive Bible Study opening up for the first time, finally, Second Kings. So Second Kings chapter one. Tomorrow night, I will be back, and I hope you are back as well. That's all I got for you. God bless you. Have a great night. Keep the faith. Fight for truth. It's worth fighting for. 